For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome back. This is In Liberty and Health. I've been very much so looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. I know this gentleman um, helps quite a few of the guy in the red or the guys. Apologies um, in the red pill sphere out hosting the studio and doing lots of uh, cool work outside there, and also talking a lot about religion, which has been a uh, growing interest of mine as a. Uh, agnostic person who's kind of exploring some of this a little bit outside of my um, usual scope. So uh, make sure you hit all the links below to find where you can find my guests, find myself, and also get the world's best electrolytes and supplements right there. Tiger Fitness is running an awesome sale, the eight days of gains, I think it's called, and they got a ton of free stuff as they always do when they do their sales. So make sure you go hit the links below so that way you can support the brands that support you. And uh, without further ado, let's rock and roll. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. I would like to welcome Mr. Glenn, or as uh, he's more uh, well-known as, Mr. Trent Lawrence to the show. How you doing, dude? What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, good. Um, I hit a new PR on the bench, which I'm I'm feeling like I can get to that 315, 295 for me today, but I'm I'm feeling nice. pretty good about that 215. <laughs> nice. Or 315. Yeah, like I tell everybody, like my goal has always been been able was has always been to bench what other people squat. You know? <laughs> like, oh, you, you squat four oh five? That's cute. I bench that. You know, like <laughs> that, that's just kind of been my my goal. But I also like to do that with all my lifts. Like whatever you think you could do, my goal is to try to do it way more. And and not like it's not like a pride thing. Like I, I guess a challenge thing for me because I say like, oh, this guy could do it. I should be able to do it. And if I should be able to do that, I should be able to do more than that. You know. So yeah, three fifteen is not an easy thing, dude. Because like once you get there, it's kind of it, the putting on more weight after that is a lot easier. But I remember getting to that point where I could do a clean rep of 315. I mean, that was a huge day for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, my first 500-pound deadlift, and I like, I damn near broke out into song and dance at the gym. Um, that was uh, a, a pretty big day for me. I'm pretty sure I was probably in the 190s, and right now I'm a little over 200. So um, I'm, I'm definitely so working definitely on it. Doing, but right now, I'm, mm -hmm. definitely we're doing over two times your body weight. With your dead mm -hmm. and your bench is definitely over 1.5 so dude you are in the top top five percentile of uh physically fit men 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I was on a, our mutual friend Nuclear Cadillo's show last night, and I think we were kind of talking about how easy it is to be above average. And um, I think you probably see this too. And you're like way, 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 way above average when it comes to this strength training stuff. But um, for like guys to not be average nowadays, it's so easy. Like you just have to go to the gym for like six months consistently and eat like a reasonable amount of protein and you'll be fine. But like, there's so many guys that aren't just willing to do that and they're, you know, going to accept the struggles that they got. Maybe they'll max out in other areas. But like, if you just do that, just train yourself for six months, you could easily get to, you know, 1.5 times your body weight, pretty much all your lifts other than maybe your bench. But like all that should be pretty easy and you'll be pretty happy at that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what is it, what it is the, um, the metrics for considered to be a physically fit man is you have to think you bench 1.5 or 1.25 your body weight um be able to um uh squat 1.75 and like dead lift like 2.0 your body weight Mm -hmm. right and these are just like basic you know standards for guys to like achieve or pursue because you know if you're 200 you know you're going to be at least be able to bench 200 pounds Right. right. So that's basically zero. So can you bench at least 150 more? It would be my goal, right? Like if I was 200 and just work towards that, because that would be the, the working goal. And it, it's not a short journey. It's not going to be like, hey, you're going to be able to achieve this in like in a year or something. Just don't put a time limit on achieving it, you know, and and you're right. It, it's so easy. The bar set so low, you know, for guys these days. Like, if you could just do the basic shit, you're better than 70% of the guys out there, physically. So, I mean, it's, it's not hard anymore. And, and, and there's so much knowledge on how to do it. And what and there's so many different diets and all these different, like, uh, workout regimens and, and theories that, that it's not like it's a secret anymore. You could get everything on Google for free or YouTube for free if you really wanted to. Um, so there's no, there's no excuse for guys these days either. Yeah. 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 It's kind of funny because I remember watching Elliot Hall's videos back in like 2014, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. And eventually found CT Fletcher. And that was like my main inspiration. I'm like, Oh, this dude was dead like three times and he became, you know, a bench press champion and you had 19 inch arms naturally. And Mm -hmm. you know, you could debate whether or not he was natural or not, but regardless, like the motivation was out there for me you know, almost 10 years ago to start training. And that was all I need to just get my ass going. And really, I think that transferred over to a lot of different areas in my life where I was a lot more confident. And I'm sure you probably experienced the same thing. You were also in the military yeah. at one point as well. So I'm sure that probably helped as well. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the military, I was very active. Um, my job required me to be very physically fit. Um, but I got out with an injury. So when mm. I got out of the military, and being injured and having to work through my injury, I was kind of laid up for a really long time. And because I got out earlier than my desired goal, because I wanted to do 20 years, right? I wanted to do make it to retirement. And because of the, uh, the injury, um, I ended up getting out on a medical discharge, the honorable discharge, but under medical conditions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was like dealing with my depression and, not being able to be really physically fit because this injury and, you know, having to go through therapy and all that stuff. I gained a lot of weight. I went from 
being about 185 pounds when I got out of the, of the Air Force to 285 pounds two years later, right? Mm -hmm. Just being depressed and not being able to be that active, doing the therapy stuff. Um, and I remember like running up the stairs chasing my son and it was just like a 12, you know, 12 stairs, right? And I was winded. I went, felt like I was going to die. And it was then I'm like, no, I got to, I got to, I got to change this. I got to change this real quick. And um, I started just setting small goals for myself. And, you know, I, I, I was living in LA at the time. So I would have the pleasure of going to the Long Beach gym called Metroflex where CT Fletcher uh, is. Um, hmm. And uh, my brother at that time, my younger brother, who was really big into like the amateur bodybuilding scene he never competed but he just liked the training aspect of it so i kind of you know enlisted him as my trainer and kind of got me in the got me training how to train properly because in the military you're you working out to be physically fit for duty not necessarily putting on a whole lot of mass or developing muscles you're more doing it for agility keeping your skills sharp you know being able to uh your endurance level up you know but not training for growing muscles. So, you know, it it took me like two years from after the time I got out of the military to drop all that weight back down. And I got down to like 240. And I said, you know what? I want to compete in bodybuilding. And I had a friend that actually was competing at that time. And he was like, bro, I'll be honest with you, you're never going to get on stage. I said, Okay, cool. And that was all I needed for him to say because the next year I got on stage and <laughs> um I placed last in my first show. Mm -hmm. Right? So I didn't I didn't do well at all. But I did better than I started I looked better than I started off as, right? Sure. And um so the next year I decided to compete again in a different class cuz this is when they first opened the classic physique division and bodybuilding and he was actually competing in classic physique and we're about the same height so we were in the same class gotcha. and then i beat him and this guy's been doing it for like seven years right mm -hmm. and then i beat him every other time we were actually in the same show from that point on until i stopped competing he no longer became my friend like after like the second show mm -hmm. um but i just i Tell me I can't do something. Watch me exceed the limit. I, hold my beer. Mm -hmm. Hold my beer. You know. And you're right. When you said that you took the the what you learned from physical fitness and training, and you applied it to other areas of your life, I did the same thing. You know. Um, after you know winning that first competition, um, I decided. You know what? I want to go to college. Right. And at this point, I was 30 years old, and I owned a barbershop. And I was uh, a trainer at the naval base for, you know, I was a personal trainer at the naval base. Uh -huh. And I said, you know, I want to go to college. And the only reason why I wanted to go to college was because I was told that I was stupid growing up. Like my mom would tell me, you're dumb. You're an ADD retard, you know? Like that was her, her shit talking. And I just wanted to prove to myself that I actually am not stupid. So I took the same principles that I learned in competing in that same discipline, that same regimen, right? 
the same process and I applied it to my academics and I end up going to school for religion, being a 4.0 student the entire time, then graduating with a degree in, in, in divinity. And I'm just like, yo, I'm not even going to be a pastor, but I just still did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're right. You could take the, the, the things that you learn and disciplines that you learn from fitness and literally apply it to any other area of your life. And you will see tremendous success. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of reminds me of the uh, David Goggins thing. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. The 40% rule or, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you're going through it, you just think about all the hateful shit that people have said to you or, you know, the shitty tweets, comments, whatever have been left at you. And then there's another rep. The next comment, there's another rep. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I always think. And I've had people um, on my Twitter. I was doing a uh, trap bar deadlift there for a little bit because I messed up my back conventional deadlifting because I had terrible form. And I think I was doing like 530 pounds or something like that. Nice. And uh, someone's like, oh, you're using a trap bar or like, oh, that's not real deadlifting. I'm like, all right, where's your receipts? Do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my that's my post every single time because once again, the people who are usually saying that usually have never held five hundred pounds in their hand. They yeah. haven't felt four hundred pounds on their back. They haven't felt three hundred pounds on their chest. They have not felt that weight on them because if they did, they would shut the fuck up and say, "Dude, you keep going." All right, yeah, and that's what I'm all about. I get to the point where like I don't care if I'm, I'm using straps now when I do deadlifts. Yeah. I don't want to hurt my wrist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it helps me, you know, I don't have to focus about my grip so much. I get to exactly. focus on my form and, and getting the weight up. I'm not a power lifter. Mm-hmm. I'm not competing as a power lifter. So I don't really care if I'm not doing it with, you know, conventionally or, or the way that real power lifters do it. I'm still getting this fucking weight up and I'm still lifting more than you are over there. Right. And it's like, I just, I just don't care. You get to the point where you just stop caring what other, just stop caring what other people think, especially in the gym, because it's all, I'm not there for them. I'm there for getting my goals and I can give a shit what care less what you're doing, you know? Um, but you're right. You know, the people do like to just talk shit and try to discredit what you do. And it's out of jealousy. It's, it's really out of jealousy. I mean, you get that in every anywhere, right? When I started getting in the film industry and I was like excited for the little background roles that I got, you know, people were like, dude, you're just a background actor. Who cares? Nobody even sees you. I'm like, yeah, but I got to be on that set. You know, like people are always going to throw shade. Yeah. So uh, what were, what was it like working in the film industry? I'm glad that you brought that up because I kind of wanted to ask you about that because I um, typed your name into Google to find a picture for the, uh, for the thumbnail. And mm-hmm. I seen you come up on, you know, IMDB, which, you know, they have for like everybody, but like, normally I would assume that like, if you're on there, then you've probably done some notable roles. And I've been following you now for probably, I want to say six to eight months or so. And I've enjoyed your content, your stuff with Thor, obviously the stuff at Redbone Studios and all that. Um, did that kind of give you a little bit more insight when it came to Red Pill Awareness? Or, you know, what was that like? Because, I mean, you have such a diverse background, and it's people like you are just yeah. absolutely fascinating to me. Um, well, the crazy thing is I got into the industry, the, the film industry, basically on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 2018, uh, I ended up getting injured working at the correction facility. I was a CO, corrections officer, and I needed okay. certain knee surgery. And the knee surgery... You know, kind of went bad. They were supposed to remove 
on my meniscus, but they repaired it. And that means it took me out of, um, took me out of work for a lot longer. And then during the rehab, they ended up having to go back in there and redo the surgery because they messed it up. So then it just ended up made me ineligible to go back to that field of work. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, back in California. Um, and, um, I was just starting a podcast. I just started a podcast called the truth is, and I'm really just, you know, calling out a bunch of BS. Right. And somebody that was listening to me emails me and says, Hey, I love your voice. Would you be interested in doing, um, a voiceover for my, my student film project? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like, what what do I got to do? Like, you know, do I do it on the computer? Like, I'm just learning how to podcast. So I didn't even know what, what I'm doing. And um, he's like, no, you got, you'll come to the UCLA studio over here and we'll pay you. I'm like, really? Cool. So I went and did that. And um, at that time, I was going through a divorce. So it was kind of just like a fresh start for me anyways, being back in L.A. Um, and just trying to figure things out. I already got injured, recovering from the job injury. You know, the wife and I divorced, um, and that was that ended horribly. And um, that's kind of where, I, at that time, doing the podcasting and getting doing the voice acting, I got I started listening to Red Pill stuff. I just started looking to find answers for my own problems. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to know what I did wrong for this to happen, right? And that's when I came across, you know, um, Rich and Rolo's work. And just kind of started following them and listening to them. And so I was I was learning my red pill awareness as I was getting in the film industry. And from that one voiceover job, uh, I ended up getting asked to do a couple other student films um, and, you know, small, you know, roles, little small speaking roles. But since they're student films, there were nothing really prominent. Like they will go to some uh, some of the film festivals. But, you know nothing would ever really, um, you know, transpire out of it. Like it never really like shot up my career. And uh, I got into doing a whole bunch of music videos from there after that. And um, I got casted on the film Tenet as a background actor and, you know, end up getting asked to do um, some uh, hand-to-hand, you know, scenes because I, I had the experience. And so just kind of getting to know everybody and just kind of making those connections on a whim, basically by luck, um, I kind of fell into it and uh, got into, um, I've been in five films now. Um, Either I'm credited as, you know, I have one lead role, a film that I'm in, a movie called Token Choke Dispensary that's coming out this year. Okay. um, Where I'm the top biller and... I'm the lead character, and I play a crooked DEA agent robbing pot shops in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and so I did that, and then I started getting into more production because 2020 happened. And if you were not prominent or you weren't a well-reputable name or if you didn't have your SAG card yet, you were not going to be getting work. So I wanted to learn the production side at that time. Yeah. And I made friends with guys that are doing, you know, film crew stuff and, you know, worked on all their, um, you know, personal projects during the whole lockdown. 
and started learning how to work the camera and started making my own stuff and, you know, started doing all that during the whole lockdown, which people end up seeing my editing work. They end up seeing some of the stuff I created and I would get production work or getting asked to be on production teams as well as, you know, small little feature roles. So just, that's just kind of how that ended up happening. And, but then as my YouTube presence started growing more and my, you know, the posts on Instagram and stuff, um, I started losing uh, jobs in the film industry. Mm. And because of what I was saying, because of my opinions or my, my YouTube topics, um, people didn't really want to work with me as much. Because I'm not at that level yet where um, I got enough like cred or I got enough, you know, leverage to like, I, I can say dumb shit and get away with it. Right. Like I'm, I'm known pretty decently, like it's an in crowd, but I'm not known well enough to where I can make dumb decisions or I can right. you know, get away with stuff. So, you know, that made me want to focus more on all podcasting. Gotcha. And that's when, you know, I decided, you know, I really wanted to work with Rolo and the guys in Vegas and open up that podcasting studio because I knew how to do the production side, the learning, the production side for, from 2018 all the way until now. Um, and working on so many projects, I was able to bring in a skill set that they weren't familiar with and, you know, to be able to bring out the studio and make the studio come alive. And, um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, made that move to Vegas to do it. Hell yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out real quick. Like I told you earlier, uh, nuke dropped by in the chat I appreciate you dropping yeah. by and Christianity unplugged. Appreciate you two guys uh, dropping by. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. The, uh, the uh, story that you told there is basically like you came on to provide value to people who you thought were valuable and then in turn you know you fostered a relationship with those kind of people um this kind of goes back to you know developing yourself and kind of i think even like a red pill concept of you know keeping yourself as your mental point of origin which mm -hmm. is something that i think a lot of guys tend to lack because they always think that they have to do for other people right and um I guess one other thing that I kind of want to dive into you with a little bit, if you're comfortable with it, is uh, your divorce, because I think a lot of guys who particularly get married, especially some of the guys that I'm kind of hanging out with, um, mm. I have a lot of friends that are like Orthodox Christians or like very traditionally minded. Um, I think they see the model of marriage and I understand and they think that they think it's like a really good deal. Like, this is what you should do. You know, the Jordan Peterson message is very, very appealing. Understandably. So I was very, very attracted to that at one point as well. And I think that they think it's going to be like a seamless ride from here to there, but someone like you in your situation, you probably, you know, thought along the same lines, especially coming from a very religious background um, yeah. that, you know, you did all the right things. You were a good provider. You were a good husband and all this, but things didn't work out. So what do people ask? They always ask, well, what did I do wrong? Or at least guys typically do. Women typically don't. But like, yeah. I, I don't want my guys, you know, the guys that I'm friends with that are 18, 19, 20, who are just trying to do everything right lead themselves into like this narcissistic fantasy that can't manifest in reality not because of anything that they did but because like we don't live in that world anymore so i guess the kind of question here is what was that like for you it was really a it was a very difficult process because as as well as working at the corrections um 
facility in Washington, I was also the youth pastor at my church. Um, so I was on staff. And, um, you know, when I found out about the three affairs, I found out about all three affairs all at once, you know. Um, and when I found out about them and I approached my pastor about it, and kind of just let them know what's going on. I don't, I'm struggling here. I don't know what should I, I'm freaking out. Right. And, um, you know, the first thing that he, you know, kind of came at me with was like, well, what did you do wrong? Right. And I was just like, wait, what? He goes, well, when, when the wife is doing something this egregious, I have to go to the husband and see what he did wrong for her to, to do this behavior. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of at that moment, I realized, wait a minute, you're focused on not the fact that I just found out that she's cheated on me three times and we've been married for 13 years and that we have a child together. And this relationship seems she wants it obviously to end. I definitely don't want to be with somebody that's cheated on me three times. Okay. Right. And, like you're concerned about what I did wrong. I don't, I don't know where to begin here. Like I'm trying to get some guidance here, like help me, you know? And it, it kind of came, it came off as more like what she did was wrong, but if she wouldn't have done anything wrong. If I was, if I met all her needs, if I was just a good servant leader, if I was just the best right. servant leader possible, then she would have no reason to have done that. And uh, he asked me if I was willing to forgive her and try to reconcile. And I said, I could forgive her, but I'm not reconciled. And at that point, he asked me to step down from leadership. And um, he ended up putting her as a fill-in for me until they found a replacement. And so at that point, I I left the church, right? I, I left. And I was really zeroed out at that point. I said, man, yeah. I don't have the church to go to. Um, I don't know where to turn, right? And so what I would tell these guys that are wanting to get in relationships, I still am a huge um, advocate for marriage, right? I, I think marriage is the best way for anyone wanting to have a family, right? If you want to have kids, you know, you want their you want their mom and dad living in the same household. Okay. That's just that's better for the kids. You know, if you if you're thinking kids, right? If you wanting to have children, you, you gotta think about what's best for your children, right? And um, so I still advocate for marriage. I don't advocate for the way that we do it today. I don't encourage guys to get married with the state. I, I say if you're a Christian. Why you're getting married with the state? You're if you get married with the state, what you're saying is that you have more faith in the state to protect you if things go bad than you do in God. And typically, guys are not the ones that saying they want to get married with the state. It's typically the women. Right. So I tell guys like, hey, if your girl saying that, hey, she wants to get married with the state. Basically, what she's saying is, hey, I want to get married with you, but I want this state marriage because they give me a safety net. Right. So it means that she has more faith in that than in you guys actually making it through. So I try not to like be that guy that's like, oh, 
never get married or can't trust any woman, you know, I'm the guy that says, hey, if you're going to go into it, you know, first prepare yourself. If see if if you want to get married, then get us get a covenant marriage with your church. And if she is not up for that, then that kind of lets you know where she kind of stands. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if she is up for that, then great. Then she then you know that she's actually in it for, you know, for the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also tell guys like, hey, if you end up wanting to get married with the state, get a prenup. There's nothing wrong with it. The the state basically gives her a prenup and protects her. So you get a prenup and protect you. But I would tell guys definitely to to make sure that if they get into something that's serious, that they get into it knowing that they could lose everything and they have to be okay. You know, have you ever seen the movie Heat? I have not. Okay, so it's with Robert De Niro and um, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And I think Al Pacino, is it Robert De Niro? One of the guys said, like, look, never get yourself into anything that you can't walk out in 30 seconds or less when the heat is around the corner. Basically meaning, like, don't get yourself into a situation that if you have to leave it for whatever reason, that it's going to destroy you. So if you're going to get married, make sure that you have enough resources to where that if you lose all that, you could start back up and rebuild, you know? Because I just think that too many guys go into it with this fairy tale mindset, and we end up getting zeroed out, and we're, we end up sputtering, and we don't know what to do, and then we end up doing dumb things, and taking you know, and when we could have prepared properly for it, I don't think enough guys are preparing properly. Yeah, well, you know, this is kind of where I think religion and red pill praxeology cross over very nicely. And um, I, I, some of the younger guys that I'm friends with that are very traditionally minded, um, they seem to reject red pill praxeology because they mostly see the pearl, fresh and fit, and Andrew Tate. And not that like everything they say is bad, but they see, of course, the most obscene, ridiculous shit out there. So. Um, of course, they're going to be turned away from it. But I'm like, look, this isn't about just, you know, take this white claw, get off my podcast, or let's make w- women look dumb for the sake of it. This is about information to make men's lives better. This isn't for women. This is for you. If you're a dude, you know, in some kind of relationship, or you're looking to, you know, become less socially awkward, this is for you. So that way you have more tools to make your life better. We're not going to tell you what to do, but we're going to tell you some tools or give you information to hopefully lead your life in a direction that you that you're going to find more fruitful for yourself. So like, I, I wish I could just tell these guys like, look, I understand you're very traditionally minded, but like, just understand exactly what you said. Like you have to be ready to completely rebuild yourself if things go south. And if you're not willing to accept that, then you might want to consider not getting married. Um, you know, my wife and I have been together for five years. Um, we just celebrated our year anniversary being married last month, but I mean, I knew what I was getting into. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like honestly. This is where this is kind of where me and the red pill have a little beef at times, right? I, I'm very red pill aware. I understand the praxeology, and I understand um, some of the tools that they give them and why they give guys these tools, right? But from a Christian worldview, I say a lot of these tools that they offer are not beneficial to. Christian wanting to uphold his religious beliefs. 
right? For example, um, Myron will say like, hey, you need to bang 50 chicks before you decide to get married. Well, there's a couple, there's a few problems with that. One, that's a, a ridiculous number to have as an arbitrary standard, right? Uh, right. But then that would also make Rolo Tomasi um, not the guy, you know, he should have been, what, I think nine or 10 more chicks before he married his wife. Right. You know, he didn't reach that 40, you know, number or 50 number, right? So to have stuff like that out there, that is not beneficial to someone that wants to practice a Christian life because, exactly. you know, um, practicing premarital sex is, you know, not good, is, is a sin in the Bible. Right. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a sin to do these things. So I'm not going to tell guys to do anything that's going to cause them to sin. Now I will tell guys that, Hey, yeah, you definitely want to spin plates. There's nothing wrong with spinning plates because you don't have to have sex with your plates. Exactly. I know, I know that in Rolo's work and a lot of other guys, you know, say like promote, like if, Hey, if she's not trying to put out then, you know, next or whatever. I'm saying, hey, if you're a Christian guy, her putting out is not a big, that's a, something you don't want to happen right away because you don't want to end up being caught up in that uh, situation where you, you sin or whatever, right? So that aspect is not as important at that moment, but you could definitely spend plates. You could, you know, casually date seven, 10 girls, how many girls you want, and just kind of vet them through the process without the sex. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more difficult. It makes it, you know, you have to now adjust how you're going to see genuine desire at times. Mm -hmm. But um, it can be done, right? Um, I'm also a big component that soft dread is okay in certain aspects. Keeping right. yourself physically fit and attractive, that's that's passive dread, right? right. So there's nothing wrong with that. That, you know, women are... Um, but socially, uh, they, they forgot the term. It's like the social, uh, if, if your wife knows other women like you, social proof, right? Women operate. Oh, yes, yes. Right? So, you know, keeping yourself physically fit and attractive mm -hmm. is a good thing. That's passive dread. Mm -hmm. um, so there's things that, there's tools that the Red Pill offers guys that I think can be useful for guys that have faith. But what happens is, they hear all the most um, extreme examples or they will hear, you know, some of the most ridiculous uh, advice tips and they'll be like, I can't accept this from, from where my belief system, I cannot practice this. Right. And I tell guys, no, look, there's, I try. this is what I try to do. I try to build a bridge on how Christian guys could utilize the red pill and it not um, jeopardize their faith or not cause them to um, do something that they would have to repent for, right? Because right. if you really think about it, the Bible really is the first red pill. Well, the Bible is really the first rational male because the Bible is extremely patriarchal. It is very patriarchal and it's very pro-masculine men mm. i mean there's literally scriptures in the bible that says if you are an effeminate man you don't inherit the kingdom of god basically if you're an effeminate man you're an abomination mm -hmm. right <laughs> i mean it, it literally tells guys that you've got to be a man that you have to mm. 
be that guy, right? But the way that it's being teached and preached about in these modern-day evangelical churches, they're giving you a horrible, warped version of the Bible. Right. It's very soft. It's very feminine. It's it's very anti. To me, I say it's very anti-God. I said it's literally the definition of anti-Christ. The way that they're that they're doing this. And unfortunately for me, I was one of those guys that was doing it too until I had my divorce. And so what I like to do now is I really try to like to help those that are in faith to be able to reconcile the way that the red pill can benefit them and it's and show them that it's not all the Andrew Tates or the Fresh and Fits and mm-hmm. all the Access Vegas stuff. I try to show them, no, there's other aspects to it to where that you can actually utilize it. Yeah. And I really like what you said, um, bringing up spinning plates. And this is why I've told a lot of guys, like, as you start to date more and more women, you don't necessarily have to sleep with them. Just like you said. Um, but it's like the fact that you're just gaining social confidence, right? You're comfortable around these kind of people. You're comfortable being around attractive women. You know how to interact with people in general. And it's not just women. It's once again, people in general, yeah. that's going to make you a more desirable person and going to make you, you know, all around a better person to be around. Like I said, this stuff's not just about picking up women. It's also about, you know, let's not get taken advantage of. Um, how can you be a more charming person in general? I was on a uh, podcast, my friend, uh, Tommy, he runs the year zero podcast and, um, he had two other Orthodox Christians come on. And, uh, <laughs> I remember my one friend, Julie, she's, she's awesome. And we kind of talked about some of the stuff before, but she's like, where's the part of this space that like teaches men to be confident and you know get them better social skills i'm like that's like a lot of the space but you don't see that and especially you know women don't like think about this kind of stuff when it comes to guys like they they just manifest a dude right in front of them who's perfect for them where that dude who manifested right in front of that woman had to do a lot of work he was grinding his ass off in the gym he woke up every day and you know didn't miss a meal or you know had his calories just right has macros on point skipped going out and went to bed early that guy grinded to be the guy that you see in front of you now mm-hmm. so you know that's what this space can do for people if you listen to the right people you know and you become a confident and competent person you know by just trying to improve yourself that's what i think a lot that's what the spirit's always been for me what's what the problem with this space is is that unfortunately um everybody's trying to stay relevant or or beat or make the next trending top thing right mm-hmm. um they're always trying to one up the other person yeah and in the and that's the problem that's the process of trying to stay relevant right that's the hustle of trying to stay relevant and to be influential or to to be able to have a presence. Yeah. And what, what tends to happen when we focus on that is that we tend to divert our um, messages or the, our topics, our conversations, and we start, you know, going down a road to where that's all about the most red meat triggering, most um, craziest, you know, situations out there. And it, it, it's really entertaining, but there's not enough um, actionable advice for guys to, to take away from. You know, I, I I have guys that have issues with their relationship, and they don't care about what's going on with Destiny and his right. wife. You know, <laughs> I, I got guys that are struggling with, with certain, you know, aspects of being able to um, reconcile Red Pill with their faith. They don't care what Andrew Tate's doing, or they don't care about 
you know, Brittany Venti and wants to go after Rolo Tomasi. They don't care about that. They want, you know, advice or they want to be pointed in the direction to to fix their problems. And I think, you know, we're in that space right now at a time where it just kind of is very uh, sensationalized. It's very like, you know, you have to have the next, you know, big sizzle. You know, you have to have the next big viral video. And that's the problem. And, that, and that's where we end up doing a disservice to the guys that actually need help. Right. You know, um, we, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's hard, it's hard to balance it. It really is hard because, you know, you're trying to get your presence out there. You're trying to grow your content. But at the same time, these, you got people that actually want, need some help here, right? And, you know, the panel shows have, in my opinion, kind of have played out their uh, usefulness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of wondering what is going to be the next, what's the, what's on, what's on the next, what's on right on the side, what's on the next turn, you know, what's going to be the next thing? Because, you know, Fresh and Fit pioneered the panel shows and they did great when they did it. Everybody, man, they, they changed the game. But right. after two years, you're kind of like, it's the same old, same old, right. right? And that's just their evening shows. I love their Money Mondays or their Womanizer Wednesdays and all, all the other things that they do during the day. I love those, but those yeah. don't get enough attention or those don't get enough attraction, right? Everybody wants the crazy, all the after-hour stuff. And then you got whatever podcast. Every time I watch them, like I appreciate their show, but I wonder, I'm not getting anything out of it. You're bringing on the most, you know, unmarriageable women. Yeah, they may be hot as hell or whatever. They may be freaks, but they are not of value. So we have all these different shows propping up the same kind of women that you that we are telling guys to avoid. Right. And we are not really showcasing or propping up or presenting the contrast of that. Why don't we, you know, why aren't we highlighting women that are marriageable or or are not? I don't have many red flags, right? Like, why aren't we doing that in this space? Is what I'm wondering. Yeah, well, because it doesn't sell. Well, yeah, it doesn't get the eyes. Yeah, like I was uh, telling Nuke last night with my wife. If you go to her Twitter, there's no posts other than maybe a couple replies to people. Um, if she posts on Facebook, it's usually of you know me and her or our dogs or something like that. Like she is very, very. Um, I don't want to say conservative, but like she just does, she's not out there clowning people. She's not acting a fool on Twitter. But you know, once again, if I asked her to, I've, I've told her like, hey, if you want to stop in on a show or something like that, say hi to somebody. She doesn't want to. So you know, that's that's the unfortunate like other side of that and obviously i know that you know that as well but like you know for people always wondering that it's like well you know these women are usually satisfied with the life they got they're happy and you know they want to put up with this stuff and i don't fucking blame them for not wanting to get in you know to the clown car and run around trying to get eyes of everybody yeah i agree i know i get it yeah 
and, but there but there are women out there that that we we should try to we should at least try to make an Absolutely. effort we should try to make an effort to at least show a contrast like if you're gonna have like you know these very um promiscuous women on right and you're, you're showcasing all the um, red flags at least bring find some other women that's opposite of them that you could at least have the have the girls debate about what their views not so much you not the guys debating the girls have the girls debate and you facilitate it and and you can see the contrast and the difference between the type of women and now you're kind of giving the guys hey not all women are like this because that's the biggest problem that guys tell me like man it seems like all these panel shows have the same type of women and it literally makes me think that all women are like this right yeah go outside dude cut some grass <laughs> yeah it's like bro it's they're really not all like this mm-hmm. you know yes a lot of young women today tend to you know fall victim to this type of mindset but there's women out there in america today that are not like these women like i know an actress she's a friend of mine she's 27 years old she's a very beautiful woman and she's still a virgin yeah so no and, and there are women like this she's a christian i've known her for years um they're out there but we don't highlight them enough we don't talk about right. them enough um so i could see why guys kind of get in this nihilistic you know view that there's there's nothing of value out there to try to settle down with so why even do what i need to do to improve myself right like that's kind of like where they where they go to or they get stuck in that whole red pill rage stage where all they yes. want to do is is yell and, and you know pay ridiculous amount of money just to tell these women that they're 304s but at the same time they're going to subscribe to their only fans yes it's, it, it just kind of seems like these these shows are kind of propping up these women and these women are able to make money off of being featured on their show i just think that's just kind of ass backwards yeah it's like a whole economy in and of itself at this point um but you know it's kind of funny because like so i'm in rural southwestern pennsylvania and like i just found out a couple weeks ago a girl i used to spend some time with and not that her and i ever hooked up or anything like that but i mean like her family brought their cars to my dad's shop to be repaired and uh i found out she had an only fans i'm like holy shit so this shit is everywhere but at the same time in my early 20s there are plenty of girls that i had as a plate that like were dating maybe even marriage material that i just you know spun as a plate for a little bit stopped talking to them maybe a couple months later hit them up again like they're out there but you know if you're seeing all these crazy women one a woman that actually wants to be with you will eventually kind of mold her life to mm-hmm. fit into your life if yep. she really wants to be there right these women that you see that are wild and crazy you kind of have to accept that there's going to be some women that are just like that and they're not for you or if they are <laughs> the recreational use only like maybe just get some social experience with them you know if you're into spinning plates and sleeping with them okay do that yeah. but like understand that they're not going to be the ones that you take home to your mom and then have a family with or at least not a majority of the time the ones that you do want to do that with you'll know you will more than likely know it'll be a plate that you know i mean i've had this situation plenty of times where i leave my house after they stayed over and then i wake up i come home um after working all day and my entire house is spotless women who like go out of their way to do stuff like that for you (laughs) think about that and then if you continue to see that okay well it's not only an indicator of interest but also lets you know that she gives a fuck like just signs like that 
is that guys need to well what guys are so focused on is like she touched my pee pee she's healthy like like that that's how low the bar is for guys like she touched my pee pee she's pretty that's wifey and (laughs) you know i I, maybe i'm wrong in this thinking but the, the way i look at it is like not every chick that i come across no matter how hot she is is worth my legacy and my legacy comes from what comes out when i bust a nut right so it's like not every girl is worth my dick so if that mindset kind of keeps me expecting more of women like there's a higher standard there's a higher threshold than oh she touched my pee pee right and i think guys need to develop that for themselves but it's hard to do that when you are just just trying to get some right so guys don't have a a standard right guys guys will bang the biggest ugliest heifer out there and 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 yes they have no no standard i'm like shallow how i am so shallow that i couldn't do it i couldn't even rise to the occasion right and and you know i think guys need to kind of have more pride in themselves in that matter sure not every chick is worth your dick and when you have that and you decide to like develop what expectations you want for the chick that you are willing to risk impregnating now you have that now you open up a you are literally disqualifying so many women and other most women will just disqualify themselves because they don't meet those standards right so i think guys got to realize it has they have to be more than just a cute you know pretty thing that wants you know that is open to having sex with you even even if it's a casual thing, in my opinion, there just has to be more than that. Not saying that I haven't had one night stands in my past or that, you know, I didn't, I've never played the field and, you know, hooked up around. Yeah, I did. But I'm telling you, through those scenarios and situations that have come out from them, I have realized that, yo, I don't want to deal with these headaches. I'm almost 40 years old. So, <laughs> I, you know, and I'm married. I'm just like, I would, I would even though I wouldn't be a, have a horrible time if, you know, God forbid I was divorced, but just the thought of having to go back in the marketplace right now, I'm like, yo, I just don't want to deal with that headache. Right. Yeah. You know? And I just tell guys that most of these, I'd look at most of these chicks. I'm like, these chicks are not worth my dick. These chicks are not worth me, you know, risking getting them pregnant and having my legacy. And I think guys need to kind of adopt that mentality more. And that would help improve their pool, right? Because once their standards are elevated, because women have the most ridiculous standards. They have six-figure income, six-pack abs, you know, all the six-sixes, you know, like, and and they get to have those standards, right? That's cool. Well, guys, we get to have standards too. And, you know, the standards have to be more then she touched her pee-pee and she's cute. Is she agreeable? Um, does she fer- defer her authority to you? You know, does she is she eager to please you? Does she try to find ways to please you on her own? Um, like these are things that guys need to look for in women that even you just want to hang out and be around. Right. You know, and that's just that's just kind of my opinion on it. No, I think that's can't hang out with strippers or anything. I have friends that are strippers too, you know, but that's a different arena. Like those are not women that I would even consider 
worth my time in that aspect. Right. Yeah. And I really like that perspective. Um, I, I agree that some guys should, or that guys, not just some, but guys really should kind of have this idea that like a woman should have to qualify to you in some respect. Um, and like, I think specifically guys who want to be more trad should kind of have that mm -hmm. in mind. Like, and guys should want to develop options for themselves. So that way they can decline that. And they don't feel so necessitous that they have to do this, but this also kind of pivots over into something that I kind of want to, maybe we can close on some of this is uh, like religion and being pro-life. So I consider myself pro-life as it gets, mm -hmm. because I believe that, you know, we as rational beings are responsible for the actions that we choose to partake in. So every time you have sex, you on, there's not a single adult on the planet that doesn't know what, the potential consequence of that is um and anytime you engage in sex with somebody you are understandably taking the risk to potentially bring a life out into the earth um when i hear people talk about the issue of pro-life versus pro-choice they never seem to come at it from that angle which has always been really interesting to me because like to me that's like the most fundamental thing like you were consensually agreeing to enter and do this action with somebody that you know will or could result in a life so like if we're doing that shouldn't we place a lot of like you know value in that and be very very smart and safe about that if we're going to engage in that yeah see what this i've made a tweet um maybe a couple months ago where i said um if trad cons were really serious um about pro-life then they would be willing to prosecute the mothers um, for murder. Right. Um, I said, until they are willing to do that, the trad cons are just, you know, uh, virtue signaling. They're not mm -hmm. serious about it. Um, and because if you look at the statistics, why most of women are getting abortions, it's not because they were raped. It's not because of an essay. It's, it's not because of incest or anything like that. It's because they didn't want, they don't want to face the consequences of their actions and they don't want their life to have to change because they weren't being responsible. Right. So right. it's a get out of jail free card and it's a way for them to avoid being accountable. Mm -hmm. Well, we make, we hold men accountable. Hey guys, if you get this chick pregnant and she decides to keep the kid, you're on the hook for 18 years, right? So that that's that's the accountability that you have to face. That's the consequence of your action. And men are like, okay, we accept that. We understand that that that's the risk that we take. What society has done, and even in the church, we have tried to uh, avoid women or remove the accountability and consequences of women's actions, you know, to the point where we want men to have to pay for them. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, what, what if, what, where, where, if we really want to fix relationships, we really want to fix families. Well, the first part we have to do is address the consequences on both parties. Both parties need to be held accountable mm -hmm. for their actions. And as long as we are going to be allowing abortions and, you know, as long as we're going to allow, because women are the only people, only, only beings on this earth that are, are allowed to um, contract a murder of a living being without having to go to jail for it. Yes. You know, 
and, and get to say, well, it's because it's the best interest of the mother. Well, you know mm-hmm. what? What if we decided to take that same process and be like, well, you know, we should get rid of all the homeless people because that would be in the best interest of the country. Let's just go around and start killing them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or at what point does the abortion, is it okay to abort your child? I mean, now they're doing it in California, I believe, up to like a month or two after the birth or whatever. Like you could still, or days or something like that. That's ridiculous. Right. Ridiculous. What's next? Can I, can I, you know, go shoot this 18 year old punk and be like, hey, I aborted him because he's a degenerate. <laughs> you know, when is this, when is it going to, when is going to stop? It's not going to stop until the trad cons and the people in the church really start cracking down on female sins and holding women accountable for their sins and what they do wrong. And until they start shaming women and really start putting women's feet to the fire, then no, things are not going to change. It's all virtue signaling. As as much as you are pro-choice and you want to go out there and promote it, as do I, it's not going to change unless something significantly, you know, changes the the way things are done until until there's a consequence or some some action that that alters our culture to to shift you know because all all it is now is just virtue signaling yeah we send it back we send the abortion back to the states great it's just virtue signaling yeah it's kind of funny because i i understand why they don't want to touch that because when you start touching women's is women believe is their right, which I don't believe it's actually right to murder another human being. But this is like the cultural understanding is that, hey, this is your bodily autonomy that's on the ballot. Um, You're talking to a majority of the electorate who holds a majority of the debt and who sincerely believe that part of their bodily autonomy is on the ballot. So like there is political suicide to be had when you go after this issue, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. That means that you should be good. I don't understand how doctors get away with it because I mean, right. it's the only thing it's the only it, it literally breaks their hip or the Hippocratic oath or whatever it's called. Right. Yes. They mm-hmm. are to, they are to protect or try to preserve or save life. Right. Yeah. They know no that, that child in the womb is alive. It has a life. That's a life. There's a yes. heartbeat. They know that it's growing. That is a life until they decide to start changing the terminology in the, the doctor's Hippocratic oath, I don't think they should be able to change the terminology of terminology of what is considered a valuable life or a, a, a life. Because I know they're saying like, well, if the child is out of the womb, can the baby, you know, um, you know, fend for itself? Well, no. Right. So they're like, right. well, then that's why it's considered, you know, able to be boarded or whatever. Until that is going to be the terminology in the Hippocratic oath, for doctors, I don't think that they could even hold that as an argument. What they should right. do is preserve life, or just say they're not willing to preserve life, but just don't virtue signal about it. Right. And, and and I think for guys, like, hey, if you find out a girl had an abortion, that is a definite red flag. Yes. That's a red flag. That means she will do whatever it takes, even kill a living being to avoid having to be accountable. Mm-hmm. And that, that should be enough to be like, uh, eh, no, thank you. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more because that uh, imagine being a guy who's excited to be a father and then you find out that like something like that happened. I mean, to me, that's traumatic. I know somebody that went through that. It was rough for him. 
you know, it was rough. He was, I remember we were in high school and he was a year older than me. And he, you know, knocked up his girlfriend and he was scared. And, you know, he did, he just he got a job and, you know, he was doing everything he could do, you know, just kind of prepare himself. His dad was in the military. So his dad's not, you know, giving him any, you know, grace here. He was kicking his ass, making a man up. And when, you know, he, his girlfriend decided that she was going to have an abortion after he was been preparing for this and, you know, getting shit together, he was distraught. He was like, man, I, at first I was scared, but I kind of started looking forward to it. I kind of started, you know, wondering what my, my kid was going to look like. And, you know, I started thinking about things I wanted to do with him, you know, like right. it was, it was difficult and, and it sucks because as a dad, as a father, you don't have a say so. So, I mean, if they're really about equal rights, then maybe what they should do is that, hey, that child in you is also part of me. So you technically should not be able to be able to terminate something that's also me. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an uphill battle with with feminism and this whole abortion debate. But the problem with the trad cons is, is that. In the evangelical church today, the reason why you're not going to see a big push or from tricons against abortion is because the one place, the only place that feminism is thriving right now is in the modern day evangelical church. It is literally the safe haven for feminism. And I say that is because transgenderism has overtaken feminism in, in, our, in our culture, right? right. But the church will never accept transgenderism as a whole. You may have some very far left liberal, you know, denominations, but for the majority of the denominations, they would never accept transgenderism. So the only place that feminism can grow and still, you know, make an impact somehow is in the church. So since most tradcons are in the church community, they're not going to really go against abortion. Tradcons are just feminists that typically disagree on abortion. That's it. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's the only difference. So I, you know, I gotta ask you, and like I said, maybe we'll close on this. Is uh, what kind of brought you to religion? Because you've always been religious. Um, yeah. I'm agnostic, and like I said, I run in some Orthodox Christian circles, and I find that religion fascinating. Um. If you can, you're willing to, what's your denomination and what has always kind of kept you to that never dissuaded you? Oh man, no, I definitely was swayed many times. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a perfect guy or a perfect Christian at all. I'm by far <laughs> the, the least uh, perfect Christian. Um, but I grew up in it. I, my, my, uh, my stepdad was a, a gospel drummer and my mom met my stepdad in church. And it kind of just ever since I was like three years old, kind of grew up in it. Um, and it kind of was like always a thing. But when I became an adult, I definitely kind of uh, backslid and kind of just walked away from it. I was big into the hip hop scene and making music at that time. And, you know, doing the rap game at that time, um, it, just going to church wasn't cool. I, I wanted to be at the parties. I, I wanted to go open up at the shows and stuff like that that I was doing like it just wasn't my thing and um I remember you know just going through some difficult struggles and just kind of really after the B 
being uh, injured in the military and getting out and going through my depression, I was just like, you know, man, I need to, this is, this is not working for me. This is something I need to change here. And I remember a, uh, a buddy of mine reached out to me who kind of always stayed on the straight and narrow. And he just kind of said, give me some like in, encouraging words and stuff like that. It just kind of, kind of made me remember, Oh yeah, I kind of, I heard that before in the Bible, man. And, um, by that time I was covered in tattoos and anytime I would walk into a church, it just kind of pissed me off even more because anytime I would try to go, the pastors would like all of a sudden want to change their sermon and talk about salvation as if, because I'm covered in tattoos, I must be right. a, a heathen yes. and not know. Mm-hmm. So then that made me stop going, you know? And then uh, one day I was at a park with my son and I came up with this pastor and was doing this, uh, you know, church picnic thing. And my son was playing at the playground and, you know, he came over and started talking to me. And he's just doing small talk. And um, he invited me to his church. And I was wearing a, a hoodie like I'm wearing now. And uh, I was like, nah, I'm not going to go. I was like, hey, do you have a problem with these? And I showed him my tattoos. Because typically thinking like, hey, as soon as I show my tattoos, they're kind of, it's a deterrent. Well, skittish, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, actually, if in fact, if you go to my church for four weeks, I will get a tattoo. And I was like, really? You'll get a tattoo? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So I decided to go to his church for four weeks just to prove that he was not going to get a tattoo. Uh-huh. Right. So I went four weeks and he and he's like, all right, when am I going to get it? I'm like, oh, let's see if he's going to do it. So I called up my buddy who's a tattoo artist, mm-hmm. had him come over to my house and he gave the pastor a tattoo in my living room of wow. his wife's name, his wife's name in a, uh, you know, in like old English, like in a heart. Right. And, um, I was like, Oh, this guy's, this guy seems pretty down there. It's pretty cool. He, he's not judging me. He actually followed through and got a tattoo. L- let me give this guy a try. So, um, that kind of, you know, brought me back to the faith and, you know, just being around him and, 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 and working with him, um, Gave me that desire to want to learn more, more than what I already knew. Oh. And, and I decided to go to school for religion because I actually really wanted to know why everybody was fighting over a God. Like, why, why do people literally kill for this deity? Like, does he really need us to kill for him? He's God, right? And that kind of was my, my thing. And then when I came into this space, after leaving the church... I, I had a hard time reconciling it, like a lot of guys do. And um, it actually, listening to all these podcasts and you know, reading Rolo's work, it caused me to actually read my Bible more, because I literally was trying to disprove the things that they were saying from a biblical standpoint, right? And all I end up seeing was ways that these actually, uh, you know, align. Like the whole patriarchal system is actually biblical and coming to real realization that egalitarianism and complementarianism is really not biblical and i don't know why these things are being preached in churches it kind of really giving me gave me this drive and this passion to actually start a podcast and start talking about 
these things that are going on because the church literally does not give men any tools. It tells you be a better servant leader, but they can't even explain to you what that really means. And, and without it making it seem like you're just going to be a better slave for your wife. And they give guys no actionable advice, no help. And they just blame everything on them when things don't work out. And I'm like, these guys love God. These guys love their wives. They don't want to go down this road. And a lot of those guys don't want to be in this space as it is, but they just need help. And I'm just like, okay, I understand it because I've been through it. And I want to be able to help build that bridge between religion and, and red pill and, you know, work with guys that I may disagree with. Like I've worked with Ruslan twice in the past month and him. And if you watch any of my previous videos about him, I would go off on him. You know, I, I would literally trash him. But then after our conversations and after us getting into it, I realized there's more that we have an agreement than we disagree. And, you know, I'm like, these are the kind of conversations I want to have, especially for the guys in, in my demographic, because these are the conversations that they need. This is the this is the help that they need. Not not so much about the fresh and fit chicks or, you know, the Access Vegas girls. Well, these are the conversations my audience wants to have. And I mean, that's just kind of where I'm passionate about. Just, just like I'm, as much as I'm passionate about fitness, I'm really passionate about helping people, you know, and do what improve the lives that they want to have. I want to help preserve marriages. I want to help preserve families. I don't want guys to go through any of the pain that I went through. And if I can help at least one guy not avoid what I went through, then I'm cool. I'm good. You know, and and I think we all have our story, our own entry story to this space. A lot of people come in, come in here through trauma like I did. Um, but some, a lot of people just get it, you know, just come through this space without the trauma. And that's great, too. You know, but it's what you do with the information once you have it. Are you keeping it to yourself? Or are you willing, are you trying to give it away freely and, and give it out to the guys that may not have heard it yet? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I remember I was just watching the uh, Ruslan debate, the latter half of it, um, right before we hopped on here. And uh, it, it was kind of irritating because it seemed like he wanted to debate Rolo again, but you're not Rolo. You are Glenn Lawrence and you have yeah. a different perspective than, than him and you even disagree with him on some stuff and yeah. like hey let, let's focus on that and you know once again being an agnostic I found that but you know both you guys discussing religion and the way that you see a lot of this stuff intersexual dynamics as a whole through religious lens was just absolutely fascinating to me so but like conversations like that give me hope and then when i get to talk to the orthodox christian guys and kind of tell them like hey this can be used for you too um that gives me hope so i guess uh, the last question i'll pose to you other than your plugs and stuff is uh what gives you hope about just everything in general um well coming from a Christian worldview, right? Uh, I believe that we are, we are, we're going to see things get better, but they're going to get, you know, they're going to get worse before they get better, right? So we already know that as a Christian, I already know that we already won, right? I already know that we won. Like the devil's not going to win. Feminism's not going to win. The, the Bible clearly states that feminism will not win. 
It says in Genesis 3.16, your desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Meaning, regardless of what women are going to try to do to control men, at the end of the day, God will not allow that, and men will be maintain the position of authority. God will not allow his design and hierarchy that he created to be destroyed. So for me, that gives me hope. That that That's hope. But it's not hope that we're going to see it instantly. It's hope that if we do the work, if we are willing to work on ourselves and, and you know, improve our own ourselves first and before we start trying to hold other people accountable if we start willing to put in the work that we need to do then we might be able to see a change not for our lifetime but maybe our grandchildren like we're, we're sometimes we're just so focused on me 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 or right now like i have a 19 year old son, a daughter and an 18 year old son you know, I'm worried about th- that generation. And I'm also more worried about my future grandkids. I don't want, you know, this shit to be going on for, for my grandkids. What can I do to try to change culture or, or make an impact that might benefit them in the future? That's the kind of mindset that I think we don't have, you know, because we're, we're so focused on ourselves. And so when I see guys that like you, and I see um, other guys in this space that are coming up that are eager to help other guys that are not out here, you know, chasing the clout or um, not trying to be a grifter, you know, that are literally wanting to have conversations and and try to give guys information or at least stimulate a conversation that may have guys think about things. That is hope, you know. Um and I think, you know, in the next few years, as like Rollo said earlier this year, we're not going to recognize the red pill. And that might actually be a good thing. Yeah. You know, the growth and evolution of what may transpire after this election might be a better version of the red pill. Maybe the red pill are going to start having safeguards because I've been saying the red guard, the red pill needs to have gatekeepers, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and start calling out people that are not aligned with, with this space because these people are just making the space look bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe the next evolution of this space is going to be something better and, and something that's going to be able to benefit these guys more. And that, that's what I have hope for, especially when I see, you know, people that I, I don't really recognize come up and give out really good information, like your videos. And, Thanks, um, man. A couple other guys in like the in the Christian space, like there's guys that I listen to now that I probably would have never listened to before, but they're coming out very patriarchal. And and what I tell people, yes, I understand the red pill and I'm very red pilled, but I am more biblical patriarchy. That's where I really stand. If I had to pick between red pill or biblical patriarchy, I align more with biblical patriarchy then I do red pill praxeology because I can't condone or agree with all the tools that the red pill offers, but I could definitely agree with everything that biblical patriarchy offers. And what I tend to do and what I like to tell guys is that the red pill tells you what is. And if you're a Christian, the Bible tells you what to do about what is, you know, and 
th- that's how I, you know, deal with it. And when I see guys like you and other young guys come up, I'm like, cool. We're, we're, we're making an impact, maybe a little impact, but we're, we're making the impact and we're moving things forward. And that's cool. And that that's what gives me hope. Nice, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, as always, I'm just a natural optimist. Um, I really like your answer and I completely agree. Even like all the guys who've been doing it for a while, um, their reach is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think like the show quality, thanks to someone like you is improving as well. Um, I think there's lots to be optimistic and lots to be happy about. You just got to dig for it. And if like your sincere efforts in yourself don't leave you, you know, more satisfied than you were before and a little bit more positive or maybe a little bit more well off then you know, I hate to say it, but you got to put your nose to the grindstone a little bit more and realize that like a lot of life is going to be a grind, but that pays off. And, you yeah. know, you'll see that in more than just, you know, women, you'll see that in money, you'll see that in your career, you're going to see that in your hobbies. If you just, you know, keep putting in the work, keep putting in the time, keep putting in the hours. I mean, I've been doing this for a little over two years now and it's been a slow burn, but, um, you know, I'd much rather it be a slow burn and a slow rise than just, you know, it all comes and goes. I'd much rather have a loyal, you know, fan base or a loyal group of people that listen to me and take what I say seriously than, you know, all the eyes in the world, but nobody really cares about what I have to say, you know, and I think that's what's kind of going on with red pill space yeah no i i agree i think you know like as much as like i'm, I'm friends with zirka i think mm-hmm. that he's a very uh negative um he has a negative effect in the space right but i also think he misrepresents his faith very badly as well you yeah. know and, and i just like bro like i'm your friend and i'm telling you you need to shape up or ship out because mm-hmm. you're literally giving you know catholicism a very bad rap you know, you were, you're supposed to be an ambassador for God and you're just making him look bad. But on top of that, you're making this men's help space, this red pill space also look bad. And I have pride in that. I have pride in this space because this space has helped me, you know, exactly, me too. And, and I have pride in my belief set. And I'm like, dude, if you are saying you worship the same God I do, and you're making him look bad. You're making me look bad. I have, you know, there's, I have pride in that. And you know, I think when what we're hopefully we're going to see is more guys like you, myself, you know, come up and actually hold the standard, be the standard there, you know, for this next wave and this next transition of the red pill and and be able to still uh, collaborate and look up to uh, those pioneers like Rolo and Ryan and 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 Paul from Apex Mindset and, and George Bruno, like all, all these guys that have done this before us, we'll be able to still work with them and still be you know they'll still be our our support and our driving force but maybe this next edition of the red pill will be different where it's going to be kyle being the the guy and and because he has a different reach and i I love that i support all that you know i just want to make sure that we are we start getting rid of all the riffraff and and start getting back to actually giving guys what they need instead of what they want right yeah dude i i think that's a good message um glenn go ahead do your plugs brother i really really enjoyed this show so we'll definitely have to do another one sometime yeah definitely well um thank you for having me on kyle really appreciate this opportunity i i really wish we could have made the i made could have made the first video but um i'm glad that we got to do it now um like i say i'm sorry i'm traveling so uh i don't have my setup so i hope the quality is still good oh dude it was fine um but uh you guys could catch me at Glenn Lawrence presents on uh, YouTube. Um, 
for whatever videos I do. I do mainly Christian red pill stuff these days. Um, you can also catch me on uh, every once in a while on Rule Zero on Saturday. Also on the Dragon Ship on Saturday. And on Sundays, I do um, a Saving Men Bible study or Saving Men sermons. That's what the guys wanted to call it. So feel free to you know connect with me there. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Glenn Lawrence. Um, or hit me up on uh, Instagram at Glenn underscore Lawrence underscore presents. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty easy you know, going guy. If you reach out to me and ask me a question, I'm, I'm pretty, I'll get back to you pretty quickly. Like I'm pretty down to earth like that. So yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, I really appreciate you hanging out for a bit. Like I said, we'll definitely have to do another one because I think this is an absolutely fascinating conversation. Um, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out in the chat and all that good stuff. Um, hit all the links below. Make sure you go subscribe to Glenn. I've really enjoyed his content. Um, specifically that debate with Ruslan. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. And I'm going to have to listen to a little bit more like the different sermons and stuff like that. But uh, hell yeah, man. We'll definitely do this again sometime. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for listening and take care. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.